In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about haunted house cosplay, how internet best friends are better than selfish backstabbing idiots, class Q for cuties and class S for softies, and provable bullshit in our discussion of Teen Killers in Love by Lily Sparks. Or is it? What a joke. <laughs> or am I? We are. We are. We it's provable. It's not bullshit. Provable. It's, it's provable. provable bullshit. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. Or am and I'm I? Claire. <gasps> Who is this? Who knows? Who knows? Am I Claire? Who knows? Who, Who can, can tell? say? No one can say. But today I can tell you we are going to discuss Teen Killers in Love by Lily Sparks. <laughs> Standard disclaimer, if you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Or is it? Oh. Oh. (laughs) Nobody knows. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, it's going to be one of those it days. It is going to be one of those days. And it's probably only going to get worse when the author joins us later because, hey, spoiler alert, Lily Sparks is joining us for this episode later on. Mm-hmm. She's going to play Would You Rather with us. Or is she? Or is she? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> is the background information you need to go and read Tinkler's Club? I mean, kind of, Fine. but it's also about book three, Teen Killers at Large. So, <laughs> ah, okay, it's fine. <laughs> We're not actually having any background information about the current book. No, it's oh, it's okay. about the third book and a novella that's like the first book. Just let me read it. Just let me read it. It'll make Just perfect read, read sense okay. if I can read. Okay, or will it? Or will it? <laughs> While writing book three, Teen Killers at Large, Lily wrote what she calls her midnight sun, but far more sociopathic. (laughs) It's called Naramake, and I'm so excited for it. She says in a blog post on her website, sparkslily.com, that she got especially deep into Eric's head. And what she found there was so intriguing to her. She rewrote a lot of Teen Killers Club from Eric's perspective. However, the only way to read this e-novella that captures Eric's side of the first book is to pre-order Teen Killers at Large and email her proof of purchase, which I have done. <laughs> <laughs> I have done that already. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Sun, but more sociopathic. I <laughs> Isn't that perfect for us? I really hope there's a, um, a car sequence. Sequ- yes, we're throwing cars through the air. Uh-huh. Although, to be fair, I think that that would happen at the end of this book if we're being completely honest. But we're not there yet, Claire. We're not there yet. No. No, we've jumped ahead, like, to the third book. And Let's also, we've gone back in time to the first book. 
it's all gone wibbly wobbly timey wine. Yes, it has. <laughs> let's let's do this. Should we? We didn't even say initial thoughts. Oh, we okay. talked about the first book almost exactly a year ago, which Ooh. I think is kind of fun. And That's poetic. I like. It. I feel like we need to just share with everyone. Then I'm pretty sure at this same time last year when we were planning out our themes for this year, we decided we needed to have a road trip theme to cover this book. Yes. Do you recall yes, do that happening? That. <laughs> I'm, I remember instantly going to our planner and putting it in. Yes. Because otherwise I forget. Right. Right. <laughs> or do you? Or do I? I do. I really do. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, that's I guess that's my initial thoughts. That's not an initial thought really, but I was excited no, for it's it. Luminous. And and I listened to this one right after it came out too. So yes, because I, I I like the I liked when we we plan them out and we have a book in mind. It takes a lot of pressure off the theme. It does because we know that's the book. The book has made the theme. We have a match. We don't have to worry about any others that right. month if we don't have don't want yeah, to. Yeah, we don't have to force However, any others to fit. No, but then we haven't forced the other ones. You know, we've got Nine Lies by Maureen Johnson coming up next week. And then right. we have our live episode yes. on July 21st at 5 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. GMT, where we're going to be covering a short story from the novella, Vampires Never Get Old. Always be plugging. Good job. <laughs> that was really was, good. That was my smoothest one ever. It was very smooth. I'm not going to lie. It was very smooth. <laughs> Or was it? <laughs> or was it? <laughs> oh my god. Okay. I love it when we latch early days. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Okay, let's get started. Please. <laughs> Signal Deer is on a bus with Eric, trying to get back to her hometown after escaping from the teen killer training camp she was imprisoned at. Eric had cut Signal's kill switch and tracker out of her neck before, we all thought, dying heroically and murderingly in the barn of a cult leader after killing a former teen killer, which is why the Teen Killers Club exists. Wow, that's a lot of sense. <laughs> it is. They're on the run now to Signal's hometown with a key to a lockbox that will hopefully contain information that will clear her name of the murder of her best friend, Rose, that was actually performed by Rose's mother, Janine, who was also a former teen killer. Wow, what a bitch. That's the quickest wrap-up of book one, I think, that's ever existed. For all of the details, go back and listen to our episode. Or read the summary or something, because that was a lot to cram into one paragraph. You, ha you have options. <laughs> the book, the summary, the audio podcast. Just do all of them. Yeah. Well, Signal and Eric get off the bus when they stop for food and bathroom breaks because they're pretty sure the bus driver recognises them as teen killers and class A's on the Wiley Stanton psychopath scale. In the restaurant, they see their faces on wanted posters, and Signal sees Eric's last name as Doe. <laughs> Doe and Deer, that's so cute. Well, that's not actually his last name, but they don't have time to get into that now. Or do they? Or do they? No, they don't. They don't. The door, they really, the really don't. No. They are on the literal run. They're on the lamb. They snuggle and kiss 
because they're on the lamb, so they've got time for that, while waiting in line for food so people will feel awkward and stop looking at them. But then a police officer comes in. They make a run for it through the drive through window and steal a car, then hop onto a train. They jump off the train and break into a house. Well, it's actually a mansion. And that mansion turns out to be Eric's old family home. His family doesn't live there anymore, though. But how did they live in this mansion? Well, you see... Eric's last name is, drumroll please, Wiley Stanton. His parents are famous for creating the Wiley Stanton test, which is based entirely off Eric. When Eric tells Signal he's the original psychopath that all others are based on, she passes out. He carries her to a bedroom and tucks her in. When she wakes the next day, she finds she must be in his bedroom when he was a kid. She looks over everything and then immediately lifts the mattress to find any hidden things based on what Eric taught her in book one. She finds a notebook and begins reading. It's full of prompts, probably from his mother and his responses, looking for remorse or some sort of feeling. (laughs) Eric knocks then, letting Signal know he's prepared some food. As they eat, they argue about him trying to clear Signal's name, but really, he's trying to prove that if she can be called a Class A and be so good, surely there's some good in him, too. They furiously make out, and then there's a knock on the door. (gasps) (gasps) Make out, too. (laughs) It's nobody. Like, the person nobody. I love nobody! (laughs) Her kill switch is also gone, and she tells Signal and Eric that Dennis, their super genius friend back at camp, told her this address. She warns them that Jada and Kurt are probably after them, and they decide maybe Javier too, if they let him get back into camp to report what happened the evening of Book One, where Signal supposedly died. Nobody has a flash drive that Dennis gave her to take to one of his contacts, Arush to disengage the rest of the kill switches. So she's on her way to an opera house in San Francisco to meet him. Signal says she and Eric will go too. Road Road trip! trip! (laughs) Nice. While nobody gets cleaned up, Signal looks through Eric's journal again and sees where his mother forces him to apologize for hurting his brother, Skye. 13-year-old Eric saw his brother hurting a girl, Alice, and nearly killed him over it with an elaborate bike accident. But apparently, Skye didn't do anything wrong, according to him, and it seems their mother believes him. From the journal entry, it seems Eric was isolated from everyone for an extended period of time as punishment until he wrote that he hurt his brother out of jealousy. Can I just say that it kind of seems like Skye is the original psychopath? The journal entries thus far do not paint Sky in a very uh, favourable manner. Flavorful manner. Flavorful. <laughs> flavorful. I'm thinking about road trip snacks, yeah. if I'm perfectly yeah. honest. Mm, road trip snacks. Later, later, later. Right now, nobody picks up on the relationshipy vibes between Eric and Signal. Signal explains everything that happened at the end of book one and that she doesn't know if she can trust Eric because of the bet he made about making Signal admit she loves him. Does he have any feelings for Signal or is it all just the game of master manipulator? Nobody suggests trying to beat Eric at his own game. Make him admit he loves her 
that might not actually be a bad idea. Nobody also threatens to kill Eric if he hurts Signal. Oh, nobody's so good. She's such, such a, good, a friend. good friend. Oh, we love nobody. We do. They go downtown to steal a phone and find an Uber, and they do pretty easily. But then the Uber driver realizes who they are and tries to take them to the police station and calls 911. Nobody and Eric want to kill the driver, but Signal convinces them not to, especially Eric if he's trying to prove he's actually a good person. <laughs> they kick the driver out and steal the car to drive a little bit further. Then they crash it spectacularly over a cliff. Eric says they can't go to San Francisco anymore because everyone will be looking for them, but nobody is insistent that she go to the theater. So Signal decides that if they split up and change their appearances, no one will recognize them. New plan set, they walk for a bit to find a place to hide. Inside a new construction Oceanside mansion, Eric and Signal talk about the 10 people he killed because his kill number is really important to Signal. Eric explains that after his parents decided he was a psychopath to rule all psychopaths, they died in a car accident and his brother was severely injured. So Eric was put into the care of Dr. Lettrick, family friend. He was taken to a facility where he was hopped up on pills that made him aggressive and locked in rooms with prisoners. He essentially had to kill his way out, either by physically attacking the others or convincing them to kill themselves instead of him. He manages to get out of the facility, but he's caught and taken to Dr. Ledrick's camp. Camp Naramaki. There we go. The Teen Killers Club training grounds, where he learned to kill even more. Bloody hell. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of killing. Yeah. So, Eric has killed a lot of people. It's actually at least 11 now, if you count Angel from the end of book one. But really, is it his fault? Is it though? Before they can talk more, or probably start making out, if we're being honest. Oh, honestly, it's incessant. Nobody <laughs> snuggles down in between Eric and Signal and starts talking about Swan Lake, which is what will be performed at the theater where they're meeting up with Arouche to drop off the flash drive. When they wake up, Eric shares some cash he found in his parents' house, so they'll all have enough money to buy clothes and get makeovers, and so they split up. Alone now, Signal reads Eric's journal while she waits for a salon to open. This time, she reads about empathy and Eric's grandfather, Wiley, but his mother doesn't seem to like him very much. Hmm. Signal gets a fancy haircut and dye job and then goes in search of a dress to wear to the opera house. She finds a gorgeous one in a high-end resale shop, but when she notices her mugshot on the TV in the shop, she basically runs. It's not obvious at all, Signal. <sighs> Honestly, amateur. After the thrift shop, Signal spends the rest of her day at the library reading about Eric's parents' deaths at the same armchair detective website she used in book one to find information about her case. She learns that, after a weekend at Grandpa Wiley's, the brake lines on their car were punctured, causing the accident that killed Eric's mom and dad and injured his brother. Eric decided to stay with his grandfather a bit longer and wasn't in the car. Was it Eric who did it? Dr. Ledrick, who was also there? The grandfather? Someone else? Or were the brake lines even cut at all? At the opera house, Signal finds nobody who also got a fancy haircut and a snazzy outfit. She's wearing a tuxedo and I love her. 
and Eric, who's also wearing a tux and a weird hat. Why not? Nobody is supposed to meet Arouche before intermission, but she's enthralled with Swan Lake because her girlfriend is the star. So nobody can continue watching. Signal and Eric go to meet Arouche instead. While waiting for him, they make out some more. And we're shocked. And they talk about the ballet, how the same dancer typically plays both the white swan and the black swan, and how that's similar to them, choosing whether they're going to be good or evil. There's a lot of touching and kissing, but then Signal starts thinking about that bet again. She asks Eric what she gets if she wins the bet. His response? Everything. My respect. (laughs) My penis. (laughs) The certificate of participation. (laughs) As they're about to make out even more, Arush throws open the doors of the lobby and finds them. He tells them they only have a few minutes before the cops arrive because there is surveillance at the opera house and they have been spotted. They get nobody and, with the confusion of the audience finding out of the theatre for intermission, they get into the trunk of Arush's car and speed away. On the way, Eric Signal and Nobody talk about who Arush is and realises he's the son of a famous tech guy, Sonny, who also happens to have ties to Camp Naramuke and he may or may not be the guy who helped make the kill switches. Bloody hell. <laughs> Yikes. They arrive at his house, and when they step inside, they find a huge crowd cheering for them. Fan club. Arouche assures Signal, Eric, and Nobody that everyone here at this party is cool, and nobody will turn them in. They all think they're celebrities. The party goes well for a little while, and Arouche has plans for them to continue their travels with other people that are cool. And when they tell him why they're traveling, trying to clear Signal's name and stop the Wiley Stanton testing and camp, he offers to help because he is one of many who thinks the Wiley Stanton testing is a violation of civil liberties. If they can get real evidence of Signal's innocence and a confession from the real killer and former camper, Rose's mom, Janine, then he will share that info with reporters. That's a pretty good deal. He gives Signal a tiny camera that will record directly to the cloud so she can record Janine's interrogation and confession. Arouche dismisses them to let them enjoy the party but makes Signal hang back, telling her not to trust Eric because he probably killed his parents. She doesn't believe him and goes out to the party. When Signal finds Eric, he's surrounded by pretty girls and she gets jealous. He doesn't seem to want anything to do with those girls, though, but Signal starts hounding him about how many girls he's slept with, several, and how many he's placed his love bets on, zero. Signal isn't really convinced and explains that she's never been with anyone, so this is important to her. He says she is important to him, too, but she breaks away to find nobody, leaving Eric feeling sad. Signal and Nobody dance a lot, and then some creep grabs Signal and Nobody comes to the rescue, followed by Eric. Everything goes to shit after this, and the party is cleared out. Arouche still secures them arrive, but gives bad news about the kill switches. He hasn't been able to turn them off yet, and he can see that the rest of the team killers are all headed to, or are in one location. Signal's hometown. Oh, shit, man. Shit burgers. Is that your road trip snack? No. 
I don't really do hot food on road trips. On the first part of the ride, the driver is nice and flirts spectacularly with nobody. Eric is still sad about Signal being weird and jealous and reveals that he actually felt some kind of human emotion when they were <gasps> at the opera house. And also that he's a single repeater, a person who listens to one song over and over and over again, which is a clear sign of a psychopath. Signal Ooh. is not a single repeater. Also on the trip, nobody talks about how she met her ballerina girlfriend and tells her teen killer's origin story. Nobody was a model who went to Japan, but it was one of those small modeling scams that are really popular in small towns that prey on young teens. She was supposed to get paid a good deal of money, but being in Japan was expensive and her staff dad is a complete sleaze. So by the time she got back, he said she owed him money and had to work for it. Ugh. His girlfriend was a stripper and made a young teen nobody become one too. Ugh. Nobody escapes this horrible life when the strip club burns down and he holds the door closed while her stepfather burns alive. And nobody blames her. <laughs> her body count is made up of a group of these sexual predators, but she's still a class A teen killer. At least she fell in love with a beautiful ballerina in Japan while she was there though. <sighs> The next part of their road trip is with a guy who makes t-shirts for small, probably shitty bands. He is also small and shitty. His car overheats right next to a music venue, and so, to let the car cool off, they go inside. But Eric, Signal, and nobody know something's up, so they take as many belongings with them as they can, just in case they don't come back. Small shitty guy gives them wigs and sunglasses to disguise themselves, but then takes photos of Eric and Signal kissing and nobody threatening him. So they decide to make a run for it. Then they hear sirens. As they run and jump fences, Eric's journal falls out of Signal's pants. Uh-oh. Eric seems oddly unfazed, but he stops talking to Signal. Ooh, a fraction of emotion may have happened. Oh no! Oh. Is he me? One half him? of one emotion. Oh, are you? Am I the original psychopath? You're aging yourself there, dear. <laughs> After they run for a bit, Signal calls a rouge who leads them to a safe house that turns out to be a haunted safe house and <laughs> Claire is so happy. At this time, Eric realises it's October 30th. So, of course, everyone's going to be in costumes and the haunted house will be perfectly safe. <laughs> they get separated almost immediately in a mirror maze. Why do people go into mirror mazes? Anywho, and Signal is on her own for a while. She finds a room that is made up to be like the shed where she supposedly decapitated her best friend Rose. There's a girl wearing a blue wig covered in blood crooning to a fake head which freaks Signal out. The actress points out an exit and Signal falls through a trapdoor into a ball pit. Luckily nobody and Eric are there too and have some workers and extreme fanboys tied up. Unluckily Signal starts hearing Rose's voice in her head. This happens off and on. Now, it's worse. I really, really love that scene. With the actress. <laughs> I think it's my favourite, actually. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. After they leave the haunted house, Signal talks to Eric and apologises for reading his journal, but says she's not actually sorry about it. 
He thinks she's afraid of him and that he killed his parents, but she actually doesn't think that at all. They have a long discussion that ends up with them declaring that they're boyfriend and girlfriend, that Skye, Eric's brother, is a major creep and sociopath, and that Dr. Ledrick is responsible for the deaths of the Wiley Stantons in order to take their Class A algorithm and make lots of money by testing drugs on Eric. They get another ride shortly after this and finally end up in Signal's hometown on Halloween. With face masks given to them by their latest driver, Signal, Eric, and nobody trick-or-treat at Janine's house. They burst in and tie her up. So it's trick then. <laughs> I mean, she has a bucket of candy. And they eat some floor and candy. It... Well, you tie her up and then just stand there eating the candy. I'm up for that. Yeah, that's... Is that not what you do on Halloween? It's a little more active for me. <laughs> At first, Janine is sad and scared, but then she almost immediately turns crazy and starts taunting Signal, who has to leave the room to be sick because she's overwhelmed with being in Rose's house again, and also the thought that Eric has set all this up in an elaborate scheme and that Janine didn't kill Rose, which is obviously not the case. She overthinks situations, doesn't she? Just, just a little bit. <laughs> She realises this for sure when she finds the remains of a melted corpse in the bathtub that was melted in the exact way they were taught at camp in book one, reminding Signal that, oh yeah, Janine is a class 18 killer too. Oh yeah. A salient piece of information. How can you forget that? She's too busy making out with Eric. Oh, honestly, she's lost brain cells through our kissing. Yeah. Signal leaves the bathroom to reveal the body goo she found, which delights Janine. Signal signals nobody to turn on the camera Arouche gave them, and they begin their interrogation. Janine talks about Signal's father instead and how she got her name. It's a terrible story about Signal's father being a drug addict who, when he found out he was having a baby, named the baby Signal as a sign for him to stop using drugs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that lasted for about three minutes, and then he abandoned his family. Signal really doesn't care about any of this, and then they actually start the interrogation. <laughs> She's like, yeah, but now. Don't know, don't know this already. Ugh. Eric and Normally work on Janine and ask about all the stuff they found out in book one. Mostly her sleeping with teenage boys, including the same ones Rose was sleeping with. And then... They learn that basically she killed Rose because Rose was stupid and was probably going to end up pregnant and poor just like Signal's mom. Signal leaves because obviously she can't handle any of this. But when she goes outside, she is met by Jada and the rest of the Teen Killers Club. Oh, yeah, they were coming to kill her. Dang it. Shit. After a chase, Signal is able to convince Jada that Arouche is shutting down their kill switches and that soon everyone will be safe and no one has to kill anyone. They, plus Javier, Dennis, and Kurt, all go back to Janine's house and have a party. Nobody and Eric got a nice confession from Janine, who is still zip-tied in the other room with dishes in her lap, and they make food and play truth or dare and enjoy themselves. Well, not Eric and Javier. They hate each other because they both like Signal, and that is awkward for everyone. It's also awkward for everyone when Kurt tells them that they were supposed to come and find and kill Signal and make it look like Eric did it and then take him back to camp. 
Ooh. Ooh. The T Killers Club tell Eric, Signal and Nobody about what's been happening at Camp Naramakith while they've been gone and it's not good. There are a bunch more teens there now and they're being hopped up on pills that make them super aggressive, kind of like what happened to Eric. Dennis tells them that he learned that Camp Naramuk is working with a pharmaceutical company but doesn't know the name of it. Eric has an idea, probably the same one that his grandfather owns. That's... It's just all great, isn't it? It's a lovely family dynamic. So great. They decide to call Arouche to check on the kill switches and he lets them know that he hasn't been able to deactivate them yet. And that also the camera they recorded Janine's confession with didn't work. They have to try again. Well, that's not going to happen because she's no longer tied up in the other room and of course the power goes out. Oh, great. It's time for hide and seek. Everyone splits up to find Janine, except for Eric and Signal, who go together and, you know, also kiss and stuff in front of everyone, which is shocking to all the Teen Killers Club because they kind of all knew something was going on with them, but they didn't know for sure. (laughs) Now they do! In Rose's room, Signal thinks she hears breathing coming from the closet. Eric opens it, and Signal throws him out of the way, worried that Janine is going to attack. But no one is in there. Eric is impressed by the fact that Signal was going to save him. They sit on the bed and hold hands, and he thanks her. And then Janine bites into Signal's ankle because, of course, she wasn't hiding in the closet. She was under the bed. Yay, she's the monster under the bed. Love it. (laughs) I love that scene, too. Janine runs up into the attic and everyone chases her. After a speech about how they're all going to lead shitty lives if they don't go back to camp and also that Signal is not a class A and her class A status was falsified by camp because Rose was the daughter of two campers, they get her confession again and then Kurt reveals that he let her go earlier because they're never going to get the kill switches turned off and he wants to go back to camp. Well, that's just freaking great. Then, Kurt stabs Janine. Oh, and even better. Wow. Everything falls apart here, like it hasn't already, and they all decide that they're just going to finish their mission, you know, by killing Signal and going back to camp. Even Eric agrees since Signal is no longer a Class A and therefore not useful to him in proving that Class A's can be good. And he suggests that Javier be the one to kill Signal. And he agrees. What is like, happening right now? The freak. What is going so obviously, on? Signal runs. Signal runs away and ends up at the shed where she was drugged and found holding her dead best friend's head. Except the shed has been torn down. There are flowers and teddy bears and crosses and an altar set up for Rose there now. Here, Signal has a full-on conversation with her dead best friend. She might be losing it just a little bit. Or is she? Or is she? Imaginary Rose convinces Signal that she always pushes everyone who loves her away, and now she's doing it with Eric. Eric, who just found out she's not a Class A and therefore can't help clear his name, so he has to do something about it. Eric, who just found out that the kids at camp are being drugged, probably by his grandfather, who owns a pharmaceutical company. Signal then realizes that it was probably Eric's grandfather who killed Eric's parents so he could have full access to Eric and the Wiley Stanton test. Yikes. 
It's a whole family of psychopaths and sociopaths. Signal decides she's got to do something to help Eric, but first she goes to her old trailer, hoping to see her mother. She's not there, and the trailer is abandoned, but there are some teens there. Signal reveals herself to them and takes their car and their phone. She calls Arouche, who said he has footage of Janine, but it might not be enough to clear her name. Well, that's not what she's after anymore. She has a new plan, and she needs his help. Signal's new plan involves joining a wilderness hiking therapy group and sneaking into Camp Naramake with Arusha's little camera to get footage of the director. On the hike, she encounters nobody who has been out looking for her after talking to Arush. It turns out that no one actually wanted to kill Signal at all. They wanted her to go free because she isn't a teen killer, and they all are. Signal doesn't really believe it, though. Nobody suggests giving the camera to one of their friends inside the camp to get better evidence of what's going on in there, and then they can sneak Eric out. Whatever they end up doing, they decide to do it now. Signal and Nobody leave the group and sneak into Camp Naramake. Signal decides to start recording and keep the camera herself. They go past the obstacle course that Signal found so punishing when she was there and see campers running the course on their own. That's odd. Then they go to the cabins. Signal catches Kate, one of the adults at camp and former teen killer, trying to force Jada to take pills. That's when Dave, the other adult there, and also Rose's father, finds her. Ah, shit. Shit. So what hell now? Signal is the worst. She is not sneaky at all. It's infuriatingly (laughs) bad how Signal is. Dave, surprisingly, tries to help Signal, even though he was the one who faked her Wiley Stan results to get her into Camp Naramake in the first place, because he hates that Janine killed their daughter. Signal says that Kurt killed Janine, but then Dave tells Signal that Janine didn't die, and there's articles about her claiming that Signal tried to kill her. Well, great. (sighs) Whatever. Signal is here now to get evidence to shut the camp down and also free Eric. Dave tells her she'll never get out with Eric if he's even still alive anyway. He tells her where to find evidence, Kate has it, gives her his kill switch fob to stop any new camper who comes after her, tells her where Eric is, and leaves. Signal goes to the cabin that Dave directed her to and finds Dennis in there, diligently hacking aircraft engines. When he realises she's there, there's a bit of a back and forth about her running away from them when they were actually trying to help her escape. She struggles to believe that, but then she tells Dennis about the camera from Marouche and he finds that a ton of people are watching her live stream already. Then Kate comes in, but luckily nobody is also there and she ties Kate up. As Signal films vital information about the pills the camp is forcing everyone to take, she finds that they have caused the deaths of multiple campers. Signal then asks Kate about Eric and finds out that they're giving him something experimental so she doesn't know anything about it. They've got to get as much information as they can and get out. Dennis reaches out on the live stream and gets others to help him disable the kill switches and then nobody sends Signal off to find Jada. Jada is in the girls' cabin, freaking out. She was forced to take the pills and they're causing her to hallucinate, but Signal is able to convince her that she's real and that they should leave. New campers barge in then, calling to Jada and teasing her, but Signal and Jada manage to escape by pointing the kill switch fob at them. 
As they're sneaking away, however, they encounter 10 other campers and the director, Dr. Ledrick. Signal wants to talk to the director about starting this camp and hopping campers up on pills to send them out to kill people, but then he clicks his fob at Jada. She doesn't go down, which means Dennis turned off the switches. Javier steps out of the group of campers then and ferociously kisses Signal. And then the other campers, realizing the director can do nothing to stop them, literally tear him apart and start eating him. Ah, team bonding. Mm. Lovely. Mm, road trip snacks. <laughs> As this should, Signal, Jada and Javier run and soon meet back up with Dennis and nobody. And it comes out that Jada has taken the pills and started to see things, which is apparently what happened right before the other campers died. Dennis writes out the coordinates for camp and tells the now two million watchers to send a medevac helicopter because Jada is going to die, likely within hours. Entirely too soon, they hear a helicopter, but it's not there to help. It's there to kill. Dennis rushes back to his computer and asks the watchers to help him take down the helicopter that's coming for them with the power of coding. Mm, the power of coding. Javier, Nobody, Jada, and Signal run toward the underground bunker where Eric is being kept, and the new campers begin to follow with bloody hands and teeth. Bullets rain down from the helicopter, but then its blades stop whirring and it crashes into the ground. Signal celebrates, but then gets hit by shrapnel and falls. Jada, Javier, and Nobody run to her side, but then they hear another helicopter. Signal tells them to run and leave her, but doesn't know that this time it's the medevac copter. As she bleeds out, Signal asks if Eric was in the bunker, but he wasn't, so she records a final message to him on her little camera. She tells Eric that she knows him better than anyone, and that even though she's not a class A, she believes that he's good and never needed anyone to try to fix him. Then she tells him he wins, but as she starts to say, I love you, the camera dies. Oh. Signal is fine. And now, a little while later, she's sitting at Arusha's house with his famous tech bro father and their lawyer, trying to decide what to do about the footage of camp that has been streamed hundreds of millions of times. Javier, Jada, Nobody and Dennis are also at the house under house arrest. The lawyer thinks they need more evidence to completely stop the wireless standard testing and the testing of experimental medication on minors. Plus, they don't know for sure that it is Eric's grandfather's company behind it. Signal wants to talk to Eric and convince him to give his testimony, but no one knows where he is. Signal thinks that he might meet her at his house, but Arush doesn't trust him and doesn't want her to go. Janine was also released from the hospital and was picked up by Kate. So that's not good. But they haven't released her attic confession yet. She'll get hers eventually. We hope so. Signal tries to convince Arush and his father that Eric won't hurt her, but they don't believe it because there have been a lot of gruesome murders lately and witnesses have spotted Kurt at the crime scenes. It turns out that Eric, who Signal thought was in the bunker, was out on a mission with Kurt, and now no one knows where they are. Signal finally convinces Arush, his father, and the lawyer to let her go to Eric's house, and Arush's father gets in contact with the owners of the house and rents it from them, then drives Signal out there. 
One night, hoping for Eric to show up, Signal watches Swan Lake on her laptop in between working on homework she's forced to do to get her GED. A rainstorm begins and then there's a knock at the door. Signal runs to answer it, hoping it's Eric, but it's not. It's his older brother, Skye. Bum, bum, bum. And he is pretty gruesome looking. His face is scarred and he's got a terrible limp from the accident Eric caused when they were younger to get back at him for hurting Alice and probably also from the car accident that killed their parents. Skye tries to convince Signal that Eric is a psychopath and that his time spent with Dr Ledrick before camp was boring and not at all as terrible as Eric told Signal it was. Yet, yeah, well, Signal has seen Ledrick in action and doesn't believe Sky one bit, so ugh. She tells him she'd like the house to herself again. Get out of here! Before Sky leaves, he asks to take a look at the ceilings in some of the rooms because they've been leaking. And, well, it is his house, so it's not like Signal can say no. Sky goes into his old room on the third floor, and Signal can't really see him past a huge boat sail that is hanging from the ceiling. She notices him ripping down a car racing video game poster and remembers that he was a stunt racer before the car accident. He pulls on leather driving gloves, even though he says he can't drive anymore and has to use Uber, so that can't be good at all. Oh, shit. <sighs> It clicks for Signal that Sky was driving the night of the car accident that killed their parents. The brake lines weren't tampered with at all. Sky, the stuntman, crashed on purpose. You can literally hear the hamster wheel in her head clicking away. Yeah. <laughs> this is what she's working with. Yeah, out. you can. Sky forces Signal into Eric's room where she's been sleeping and shuts the door behind him. He tries to get Signal to turn around and check that the window is latched, but yeah, no. She's not taking her eyes off him. He comments on the fact that she's watching Swan Lake and he goes off on a weird tangent that makes him seem pretty unhinged if you didn't already believe that he was. Signal picks up a flashlight, ready to bash his face in, but then Eric crashes through the window. His massive, with huge, bulging muscles that he must have gotten from the experimental drugs. Sky weakly punches Eric and runs, but Eric breaks off part of the stairwell and throws it, hitting Sky and making him fall down the stairs. Eric smash! Signal tries to make Eric stop, but he charges at Sky. Signal is afraid that this mutant version of Eric is going to kill Sky, so she cuts the huge sail down, stopping Eric and letting Sky get away. Signal pushes Eric and yells at him not to become a monster, even though he's clearly already a monster. She tells him he is hers, and she won't let him hurt himself or anyone else. He breaks down, saying he's not good and that he can't be fixed, and that he finally felt fear for the first time watching Signal's live stream. Signal tells Eric she loves him over and over and over again. They both hear sirens, and Eric decides he's got to run, but he stops as he realizes Signal is washing Swan Lake. He tells Signal he loves her too, and then flees. Oh, no, God. that's the oh, end. Oh, cliffhanger. Oh, cliffhanger. Ah. 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 It's time for us to take a break. Listen yes. to this promo for another show and then come back. Have you ever wondered what Tina Fey has in common with Jonathan Swift? Or how Star Wars is connected to feudal Japan? 
or just how pervasive Shakespeare's influence still is. I'm Rhonda. And I'm Erin. And our show Pop DNA explores the literary and historical roots of your favorite pop culture works. Like the Greek mythology and early 20th century feminism echoed in the film Wonder Woman. Or the classic dystopian fiction and real-life political revolutions that informed the Hunger Games. Every month, we bring you a deep-dive discussion of a selected pop culture work. Featuring jokes no one will think are funny, and literary references no one asked for. Find us at thepopdna.blog. Or anywhere you get your podcasts. By the way, Shakespeare is bigger than Disney. It's a standout moments. Refreshing, refreshing, entertaining break. <laughs> um, the haunted house. Oh, the haunted house was so good. <laughs> I think I'm going to pick that as my absolute favorite scene in the day book. Actually, it was so good. Like, oh. I, love- I, I just imagined you doing it, to be perfectly honest. That was you with the severed head covered in gore. That is me! I might have to cosplay this one again. I need to make yes. time for that this week. Yes. It won't take much, really. Just, you know, some blood and a head. Which I can probably get access to. It's fine. I don't know what Rose's haircut was, though. I wish I had green screen and I would just wrap it around my body and just take a picture of my head with green screen. You could just pose it on. That would be so good. You know what? We don't even need that. We don't even need green screen. Just send me a couple of shots of your head, like with X's for eyes. Yeah, like that. I'll do that. Cool. We'll we'll make it happen. (laughs) Crop it in there. It's going to happen. It's happening, everyone. It's happening. I will send you my dead head, my severed head. Yes, please send me your severed head. As soon as you possibly can. I loved that scene, though. I loved it, though. And, like, imagine being Signal, because she is a scaredy cat anyway. She is not, she is 100% not a class 18 killer. Oh, God, she's the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah, she's like a class F. So <laughs> she's precious and not at all a murderer. But just imagine her walking into this haunted house, which she was already trapped in a mirror maze, first off, which is terrifying as fuck. We know you avoid mirror maze. Cause, right, okay, cornfields, mirror mazes. Don't do it, people. No, don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. So we know she's already terrified. And then she walks into this room that looks exactly like the shed where she, you know, supposedly killed her best friend. And there's a girl covered in blood, wearing a blue wig, like crooning to this severed head. That's amazing. <laughs> but Signal would have freaked out because she's terrified. Because she's terrified this little everything. terrified class S for softy. Yes. She she's she has built, you you know, she's built no situational tough toughness. Like she's been in a camp surrounded by serial killers, yeah, where they have demonstrated their ability to murder, 
mm-hmm. and dismember, even if the dismembering was the, you know, the fake corpses, but they did kill, genuinely, they killed Wolfmask guy there. Yeah. She's she's watched Eric kill Angel at the end of the first one. You know, yeah. she knows what they're capable of. And she's like, ah. I mean, I can understand it being a little bit more creepy because it's her, but still, grossets. Honestly, she needs to toughen her ovaries up. She does. She really, really does. Um, I also... Okay. Everyone probably knows how I feel about backstories, especially yes. after our Twilight Eclipse episode where I gushed about all of the characters' backstories for hours and hours and hours without end. But we got backstories in this one. And I love a good backstory. Like, yes. we know that Eric... Whether or not he's lying, because, you know, you never can trust Eric, but we know that he tried to, he essentially tried to kill his brother because his brother's a sexual predator. And then he was accused of killing his parents and sent to this facility where they give him experimental medication and he essentially has to kill himself out of it. He's got to murder his way out of this place. So I think that's really cool. And again, you know, you don't really know if it's true because then Sky comes back at the end and is like, uh, none of that happened. <laughs> he was just like sitting quietly in a room twiddling his thumbs by himself. But it could have been the drugs that made him hallucinate that that's what happened. So you may not have had to murder to survive. It may have all been in his head and it's all because of the cocktail of drugs that his you know, crazy grandfathers fed him. Yeah. So even if he didn't physically kill people, he mentally killed his way out of there. Yeah. So that's still terrible. Yeah. he's he, That's a life his, he's he has lived. And you can't say it's a lie because he has lived it. Yes. You know? That's his honest truth. Yeah. But so yeah. I, I loved hearing that story. And I also really loved hearing nobody's story because, like, she's so gorgeous, but she's got these horrible burn scars. And you just wonder, like, how did she get these burn scars? How did this happen to her? Yeah. And you find out that, yeah, she legitimately was a model, was in Japan. She met her girlfriend, the ballerina there. And then you see her ballerina on stage, which is amazing. But then you learn that she was forced to become a teen stripper. And her stepdad was gross, taking all her money. And then, oops, the strip club catches on fire, which she probably did. Because let's face it, she's a little bit of a crazy. But she has every right to be. I was going to say, given the situation, you know, it, it, it it's it, that was not an attack. It was defense. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. So the stepdad is burning and she's holding the door shut so he can't get out. Which is like, she's a hero. She's yeah. not a murderer. She's a hero. Yeah. But because, because of this crazy wily Stanton, nope, psychopath. 
it's a bunch of crazy adults making decisions for the kid, for the children and yeah. putting the children in these horrible situations and forcing their hands. Yeah. Who's the bad guy in these situations, I ask you? The stepdad. Yeah. The grandfather. The sexual predators. Yeah. It's, you know... Ah, ah, ah. Yeah. yeah. And didn't something similar happen with Jada in book one? And that's why she's terrified. And, like, she sees... We mention her seeing, having hallucinations when Signal finds her in... Um, in the cabin and she's she's seeing her like stepbrother I think it is and I'm pretty sure it's the same sort of situation I'm pretty sure she was sexually assaulted it honestly wouldn't surprise me because just you know I think it, it's more of the American news than it is reported in the UK press but the amount of times you'll see women who are jailed for self-defense against the assault and or killing of their abuser yeah it's, it's crazy it's crazy it's because the the system is not on the side of the victim no never it's terrible i mean it happens in the uk but i think the uk press is obsessed with other things at the moment that it's not really reported that often yeah and social media certainly picks up on us press more often yeah it's just, uh, it should it should be a situation where it's no court in this land would find you guilty, where it's the opposite way, where yeah. it's every court in this land finds, finds the victim guilty. Yeah. It's horrible. It's horrible. It is. It is. And I think from a, like a female perspective, you can appreciate as well that actually... You know, the blame lies with other people, and that the woman you can you can empathise with their situations a lot more. Yeah, definitely. Now it's getting not, back, there's a lot of things some... in this actually that make you angry, isn't it? Like the, the yeah. situations that people put in the, in the book that. Oh, yeah. And see, I was just about to segue and say <laughs> now back to something that's not quite as serious. Fucking being in the house with Janine. Oh, and oh, I know, but Signal's like, I can hear her breathing in this room. And she thinks she's in the closet. And then like, ah, oh, no, she's not in the closet. But surprise, she's hiding under the bed and she latches onto your fucking ankle. With her I loved teeth. that scene. I loved it. I loved that <laughs> scene. I actually like the fact that Sig- it's probably the one, one of the few scenes where actually I thought Signal was not too bad. I'm not a fan of Signal. We know this is this is a fact from the first one. I'm not a fan of Signal. Right. Yeah. Uh, the hierarchy okay. of all the characters, she is my least favorite because I think other people are much more interesting. Oh yeah. She she's she just facilitates me seeing all these cool people. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's why she's there. Exactly. She's a facilitator. Um, but this is probably one of the few scenes where I'm actually like, actually, Signal, yeah, you're on the ball here. There's somebody definitely in that room. But you've got to be really wary, especially with those ankle snappers. Oh, she's like a Janine's like a freaking Jack Russell. <laughs> yeah, but at least oh. she had the wherewithal to like, you know, be cautious in the room. But you're not going to expect. How many people are going to expect that the crazy psycho bitch is going to bite your ankle? Yeah, I feel like an like an ankle slash with a knife would have been more. If she plausible. had. 
Yeah, if she had the weaponry, that is probably what would have happened. But I just don't think she had the weaponry. But then I'm surprised because it's Janine's house. I can imagine, you know, you don't follow the killer up into their their attic. Yeah. I'm surprised she doesn't have weapons stashed all over the place. Yes. I really enjoyed when Signal found the mulch body in the bathroom. Oh, yes. Oh, it was good. And it was perfect. And she's like, oh, this smells like that stuff we used at camp. And then she looks up and sees all the chemicals. And she's like, oh, shit. This is the stuff we used at camp. <laughs> because guess she... what? Remember? Yeah, duh. Janine's been there. She probably created that goo. She was probably valedictorian. She probably was. But then she got knocked up and they kicked her out. Damn it. Once but again, yeah, that. being persecuted for being female. Yeah, really can't, and truly. Can't fulfill your psychopathic killer ways because you have ovaries. Yeah, and then she kills her own daughter because her daughter is stupid and is probably going to end up pregnant. Like, she didn't do anything. Rose literally did nothing. And she's, Janine's like, nah, she's dumb. She's you know dumb. What? She's going to get preggers. Better killer. <laughs> you know, if she she doesn't want to be a young grandmother, I can appreciate that. Sure. I, I mean, know, I'm not. I'm not saying I empathize with Janine's situation, but I can certainly see her point of view. <laughs> there are ways around pregnancies without murdering your daughter. But the problem is, this is based in the U.S., where the chances are birth murder is not really, you know, it's something outlawed. That's- offered yeah. exactly yeah yeah you know right. so you know her birth control was murdering her daughter right and she probably gave zero shits about rose for the entirety of rose's life yeah so I mean, really i'm surprised that rose lasted until the age that she did because yeah. you, you cannot tell me that she, there wasn't a situation where rose was a crying baby wouldn't sleep you know, wouldn't settle and Rose oh, wasn't. she's probably got shaken baby syndrome. Oh, probably. I don't like Rose either. <laughs> Just going to say that as well. Because we all, all we know from Rose is Signal's point of view. Right. And I'm going to give a little bit more credit to Signal here, actually. She suddenly realises actually Rose was never a friend. Yeah. She, she used her. Yeah. And it's taken far too long for that revelation to come through. Yeah. For me. Like, it took a long time for her to really realise. She knew, but she didn't know. Like, on the surface. You know in the book one where they're talking about the circumstances around um, how the friendship was and then how Rose was contacting uh, signal to come over for sleepovers and then using her with the boyfriend and then she was sit- she was setting up signal to take yeah. a fall yeah she really was but signal didn't really 100% seem to believe that or well, seem to approve appreciate that the situation that was in until there seems to be a, reve- a, releva- a, re- a revelation in this book she didn't have any other friends she had nothing so I mean if that's all you got that's your only friend. It's not a friend, though. Well, friend. In quotes. You know, what are you going to do? Go on the internet. Go on the internet. Find an internet best friend. 
<laughs> get an internet best friend rather than a physical real life. Like that's in real life. Yeah, get an internet real. best friend is better. Yes, definitely. Internet best friends are better than backstabbing idiot best friends. <laughs> Selfish backstabbing idiots. Do you know what other scene I really, really loved? Oh, which one? When we're in the camp, we go back to Camp Naramake, and Dennis is frantically working to cut off the kill switches. Mm. And then Dr. Ledrick is there, surrounded by ten, like, beefed up, pilled out murderers. Hulk smash. Sorry. That just it was no, just We're Hulk. not there yet. We're not there yet. We're not at the Hulk smash scene yet. We're, sorry, it was beefcakes with the beefcakes. We're at the beefcakes right now. So she she's there and she's like, Hey Dr. Ledwick, I know it's up. And then he tries to kill Jada and it doesn't work. And then all of the campers literally eat him. Yes. It was amazing. This is it what happens amazing. when you give them a crap canteen. You know, if you're gonna if you're not gonna feed people well, in the camp canteen, you're going to turn into munchies. It's but a like, simple fact of life. You know, when they were there originally in book one, they had good food. They liked the food that they ate. Well, maybe they changed it. They maybe probably the, changed it. They the probably changed it changed. to make them more aggressive. Exactly. They've just got porridge all the time or oatmeal all the time. That's it. Yes, And it's not even the like the nice kind with syrup in No, and it's like cold. Yes, and sloppy. Yeah, cold, sloppy grits is what they have to eat. And so, would you rather eat cold, sloppy grits or a human being? Like, you gotta get you gotta get your protein in. You need your protein. I kind of wonder something though. This has just spurred a thought in my head. So, at the end of book one, when Eric kills Angel, the previous teen killers club guy who's now a cult leader and also yeah. hey shocking no one a sexual predator um <laughs> it's mentioned that like when signal sees eric again his mouth is bloody like his, there's blood in his mouth and that like they eat people do you think these pills like turn you into a zombie a little bit and make you want to eat people munchies yeah Ooh. because he was probably let's face it on pills at that time oh my stomach just growled just just are you at a very people? inappropriate moment no it's it's uk dinner time and i and but it was a very appropriate timing no we have a house rule one of our house rulers uh don't eat people cannibalism oh that's right no. i remember that i remember yeah. that yeah so i wonder i wonder if that creates like a bloodlust or something and now that at the end eric has taken even more experimental drugs and he is the incredible hulk oh he's gonna eat sky by the end of it i think pretty sure he's gonna eat his brother that's my prediction for book three eric eats his brother write it down okay 
Okay, let's keep it. Let's keep a note. It's not of that. real. It's not real. It's not on really the internet. Gonna... That's your prediction. He's not really going to eat his brother, but I kind of wish he would. Okay, so it's not going to be that he's going to eat his brother, but the, the prediction is, or the, the idea is, that the pills cause the, the cannibalism pills, or something, something close to cannibalism. Yeah, or I would not lust. doubt it. Bloodlust, at least. You know, you know those pharmaceutical ads that you get in the US. You don't get them over here, but those pharmaceutical adverts where it has to list all the side effects. It's like, yeah, this may cause blood, insatiable bloodlust and cannibalism, and also diarrhea because they all cause diarrhea. <laughs> and diarrhea, <laughs> higher blood pressure, and death. <laughs> Extreme muscle mass. <laughs> May cause you to hulk out of your shirt. <laughs> uh, so the scene. The insatiable need to wear purple trousers. Yes. And smash uncontrollably. Yes. So that scene where Eric snaps off the piece of the stairs and throws it and pegs Sky in the back of the head and then he falls down the stairs, it just reminds me of that scene from Hot Fuzz where they chase the guy through the grocery store <laughs> and then he gets really far away and like he throws the can and it i think it's a can of spray paint and he like it flies through the air and you don't even see it and then it pops the guy in the head and he falls down that's what i imagined in this scene <laughs> such a good scene <laughs> oh i love that movie yes Me too. i love that yes. movie so much Yes, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> and they're also jumping over fences and stuff, and so it's it's exactly the same. It's another scene from Hot Fuzz where there's fence jumping. Or if you choose Shaun of the Dead and they poorly jump over the fences. That would be me. <laughs> or they smash into them and through them, which is probably accurate since we're in Hulk form at this point. Yes. Hulk smash through fans. Yes. Ugh. I really enjoyed oh, it. I really enjoyed this That's delighted me. That has yes. really delighted me. Yeah. <laughs> Can I we talk like... about the audiobook? Oh, that's thought? what I was just about to say. I was... I, in... <sighs> I need to I... listen to the first one again, I think, and check. But was nobody's voice different? It was very similar. It was it was that scratchy weirdness. I don't know if it's just because nobody spoke more in this one than the first one. But I think that's what it is. Can I can I confess something? I didn't like it. I didn't like it either, and I feel really bad about that because everyone knows how much we love Jesse Valinsky. Jesse but... Valinsky is an amazing audiobook narrator. I just yeah yeah. Nobody's voice was a little off putting for me. Yeah. Well, and all of the like dudes and bros that they encountered on their trip it is california all... though is that like, oh, was that too much of a stereotype yeah it was it was a lot it was a lot it was like it was kind of like uh our discussion that we had which hasn't happened yet because of time but we were talking recently about nine liars yes and how we didn't love that audiobook either but like you have all of your standard characters that have been there the whole time and then you just add a bunch of other stuff and so it's like uh, what do i do 
It's a bit weird. Yes. Yeah. Check out that conversation next week. <laughs> yes, shockingly enough, through time travel. I've already recorded It's all gone wibbly wobbly timey wimey again. It has. It really has. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was probably my like otherwise it was it was it was a good, you know, example of Jessie Valinsky again. She's such a good audiobook narrator. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't get away with nobody's voice. It just yeah. it jarred me a little bit too much. Yeah. It was very, very gravelly and like you can do gravelly like this you can do gravelly this way with like a lot of vocal fry and that's totally fine but it was like this sometimes and you're like whoa damn yeah it was like little old hag lady yeah he's been on a 50 a day habit for 60 years yeah it was a little bit it was a little bit much we just need we just need a a dip down into the vocal fry range and we went too far Dial it back. Dial yeah. it back. What yeah. I didn't believe, moving away from the audiobook, what I didn't believe, they didn't freaking secure Janine properly. Well, no, they did. They had her secured just fine. It was fucking Kurt who went and let her out. No, but she, she had free reign after that of getting around the house. Yeah. Like, I know Kurt released her. But you've got her in a different room and you haven't really got her monitored. No, like, yeah, putting plates in her lap? Nah. It just, Mm-mm. it was too easy for him to let her free. And it yeah, was just, it was very easy. They're just dumb. Come on, kids, you know, you, you've been taught better, you know? You the have, you know, better. you know how to melt and dismember corpses. Do better with your living victims with you with your captive you know yes so you need to torture yes you need, you need to do better and i'm so, the flunk that class really they have. did they did they were goofing off in that class they were not paying attention and they know who she is what she's capable of yeah very frustrating yeah. very frustrating and then also at the end you know they stab her like you gotta you gotta double tap that you gotta check you got to check to make sure she's dead. Exactly. Exactly. If there's one thing Zombieland has taught us is double tap. You've got to do the double yeah. tap. Yeah. So frustrating. So frustrating. <laughs> I really did enjoy this one, though. I thought, I thought the road trip aspect of it was fun. Um, I liked I all the disguises. A... Yes, I loved all the disguises. I loved them, like, having to go and hide out in places going to the haunted house like it was so fun it was so much fun i really loved it i liked all of the people dressed up as signal and eric in their various yes and they have like fan t-shirts and stuff so great i love fear no deer (laughs) (laughs) so good i I want a t-shirt with my face on it I mean, you can accomplish that very easily. It's true, I could. <laughs> I really could do that quite easily. <laughs> I already have a very lovely drawing of myself that I will forever keep. Yes, it's behind me right now. Yeah, well, you can't see mine right now because it's behind the book. I'm tickling yeah. your nose. Thank you. <laughs> 
How much smooching was in this book, though? It was ridiculous. So much. It like, was a book about kissing. It was just a kissing book. Like you, you, you wouldn't list it as YA first. You'd list kissing book, kissing book, road first. trip, YA, murder, murder. <laughs> just all the kissing all the time. Like, oh, we've got we've got two seconds before we need to run for our lives. Let's have a quick smooch. Honestly, those two need to get a room, which they do try. They do. They really do need a room. And I think if they were to get a room, then they they would move their relationship to the next level. And then it wouldn't have to be, like, ferocious making out all the time. Yeah. Honestly, like, I just think Signal must have, like, severe stubble burn all over her face at this point. Yeah, she probably does. She needs but, you a know, cream. Like we were talking about earlier, she she latches on. She was obsessed Literally with Rose. With her mouth. Yeah. So now she's latched onto Eric with her mouth. And he's latching onto her. Doing the one thing over and over and over again. Yes, because he's a single repeater. Exactly. That's why exactly. they keep making out, because he's a single repeater. <laughs> he hasn't changed the song yet on it. No. Constant <laughs> make out all the time. Honestly, it's like to be fair, I think it's also a bit of a kink, really. The more dangerous the situation, the more making out that seems to happen. If yeah. that's a kink, that's fine. I'm not shaming. You know, right. we, do not we kink don't shame. kink shame. We and don't kink shame. We do not kink shame. And that's perfectly fine. But still, also read the room. <laughs> well, I mean, the first time that they did it, I just realized that I, I didn't change my name back. The first time that they did it, it was for a reason. They were in line, and people were starting to look at them, and so they're like, okay, let's make out. So people will stop looking at us, because that's weird if they stare at us while we're making out. So that was a great plan. Way to go. But then, you know, constant make out all the time. And then, like, nobody oozes in the middle of them. He's like, uh, I'm just going to snuggle right down here in the middle so you can't make out. And she's like, slow down. Oh, my God, stop it. Everybody needs to listen to nobody. Yes, nobody is us in this situation. Yes. The awkward friend in the, the middle. Yes. Yes. I did I did get a little annoyed with Signal. Um she she all she wanted to do was make out with Eric, okay? That's all she mm-hmm. wanted to do. But then when she wasn't making out with Eric, it was like, oh, I don't know about Eric and just constantly I don't know if I can trust him but I'm going to stick my tongue down his throat but can I trust him but do I know him make your mind up love either snog his face off or have a conversation it was one thing or other it was like internal monologue of lacking confidence in Eric and their relationship and where they stand and then instead of like opening her mouth to talk to him she, she opened her mouth, her mouth to stuck her, her tongue, tongue out and then put throat. her tongue in his throat yeah so yeah I was getting a bit frustrated with Signal well you know I think it's hard for Signal because she her is a class Q. The cutie. So, no. She's a class Z. S for softy. S for softy. She's a class S for softy. 
surrounded by all these badass class A's. Like, she just doesn't fit in. No, not at all. Not in the slightest. She needs babying. She needs cotton wool. Yeah, she's... Whereas nobody would take the cotton wool and jam it down your throat to suffocate you. Yeah, without I a second like thought. style. Yeah, same. But yeah, it's like, I think... just decide, Signal. Decide if you're going to snog his face off or you're going to actually talk about what's, you know, going on in your head. Because yeah. Eric will have that conversation. He will talk to you. Yeah. And, whether, and then it's up to you whether or not you believe what he says or not. Yeah. I think in this one, nobody was, again, probably my favorite character. Not the voice, her actions. Uh, but also Eric. I really liked Eric in this one. Yeah, I, really I like that liked we found out a one. lot more about Eric. I agree. Yeah. There's a lot more to his story. He's so... got a messed up family. Which actually is my surprise that Eric is not worse given his whole family situation and the cocktail of drugs that he was on and the obvious psychopathic sexual predator his brother is. Yeah. And to me, it, when the journal entries, it almost made me think that his parents are manipulating him in the situation oh, to turn him into a psychopath. 100%. To prove the point. Yeah. So who's the greatest psychopath in this situation? It wouldn't surprise me if you know, when it's all said and done, Eric is quote unquote the normal person in the family and yeah. everybody else is the raging psychopath or sociopath. Yeah. Is that is that another prediction for book three that we're gonna find out that Eric is actually normal? He's actually class S for softie as well. He's not a softie. He is. No, he's not a softie. No. He's he's the class Q for cutie. <laughs> I think he's he's what we talked about earlier when we're talking about Signal and Jada, where it's situational aggression. It's situational yeah. violence where he wouldn't necessarily act it out. But because of the cocktail of drugs that he's been put under, the stresses he's been put in places and situations he's purposely been put in, it's reactive. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't know if Sky is lying about Eric being in those situations or not. We don't know if Eric is lying about being in those situations or not. But the belief is, at the moment, for Eric, he was put in life and death situations. And when it's a life or death situation, he has chosen life. Yeah. So, so I think I think that his parents and his brother and his grandfather have been manipulating him his entire life. And he's just done what he's had to do to survive and now here we are with this testing that's based entirely on him so everything that he does is going to be skewed to match this algorithm that they've created so of course everything he does is going to show that he's a psychopath because it was made for him yes do you know what else frustrates me actually because i work in stem and because i work in research there is no way the wiley stanton would have been would pass through rigorous testing. No, based you have on got to do person. No, you have got to have more test subjects. <laughs> you have got to have more peer reviews. You can't just make this shit up and go with one person. That's insane. Exactly. And the fact is there's a conflict of interest in there as well because the the person it's based on is a family member that it would not pass muster. No, none of this would. So yeah. <laughs> So I think that another prediction, we're going to find out that the 
Pills give you bloodlust and make you want to eat people. We're going to find out that Eric is normal, and we're going to find out that the Wiley-Stanton test is, in fact, 100% provable bullshit. <laughs> yes, there's our three predictions. Write it down. Yeah. yeah. It's done. Yeah, somebody write that down for us. Listener, write that down. Tell us. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, it's all going to be provable bullshit. <laughs> provable bullshit. Yes. I love that phrase. Me too. Is it time for us to play Would You Rather? <laughs> oh, yes. Fantastic. Or is it? Or is it? Is it Would You Rather? <laughs> or is it? <laughs> Damn, we latch too easily. We do. We really do. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a proper pew pew pew. It was, it's a very appropriate that we're all dressed up because we asked on social media, would you rather disguise yourself with a wig and sunglasses or a full face mask. And resoundingly, <laughs> Facebook with 82%, Instagram with 75%, and TikTok with 100% all said wig and sunglasses. But Twitter, you deviants, you, 86% are going full face mask. Well, that's because that's where Lily Sparks like shared it. She shared it on Twitter. <laughs> and look at her. Look at her in dog mask. Yeah, all my all my full mask aficionados <laughs> came out of the woodwork. All my maskclub.com that I'm a part of. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Okay, so we have some comments, right? We do. So Colin on Facebook said, full face mask as long as it's one of the ones from the Mission Impossible movies that let me change my height and build at the same time. I don't want it to be one of those weird rubber ones with the built-in lips and the massive eyelashes they freak me the fuck out a batman mask might work as well Ooh, spider-man yeah i want to be spider-man so i'm guessing full face mask full face mask is what it sounds like yeah emily on facebook said i went with wig and sunglasses because i would have to stop and eat on the road trip and that would be easier to do so than wearing a full face mask which is true because you got to pull i mean you got to pull that dog mask up yeah, no, I'm just just to get my coffee in. It's like I've but if lost you my anonymity. A, you could use a straw and like put it under the face mask. <laughs> <laughs> Brie on Facebook said, "Full face masks are hot and sweaty and obstruct vision, which I think we've already established. And the same face morphing effect can be achieved with carefully applied makeup. A wig and sunglasses are much more concealing as long as you only use them in the daytime outside, or else." You're really going to look conspicuous. Or are you? Or are you? Unless you're playing that I Wear My Sunglasses at Night song (laughs) on single repeat everywhere you go. (laughs) You just tell everybody the prescription and my other sunglasses are broken. So what am I going to (laughs) do? I have to wear these. Too bad. I have to wear these prescription flower-shaped sunglasses. (laughs) You laugh. You laugh. But I did try some variety on them when I got my eyes tested last time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's see. We've got a couple more comments. We've got a couple Um, of super fans, I think, in there. We do. We do. Annie on Facebook said wig and makeup. At some point, I would just go crazy and start trying to rip the face mask apart. But, you know, you'd fit right in. With all the psychopaths. That's true. That is true. Drew, super fan on Facebook, said, I will go full Marvel in sunglasses and cap. Okay. Um, Dakota on Facebook said, full face mask. If I need a disguise, I'm going all out. I don't do things halfway. 
And Nina on Facebook said, wig, sunglasses, makeup, you could go full little brother and add rocks to your shoes to change your gait. Add a wad of gum or cotton gauze in your cheeks to throw to throw a facial gait recognition software. She's thought about this too much. I I love it. I feel like Nina might be in disguise right now. Is Nina on the run? Is yeah, Nina Nina's one on of the us? run. One of, one of us may be Nina. <laughs> oh, you probably listen to a lot of podcasts on the run. Ah, uh, yeah, right? like, good. <laughs> Would you listen to true her? crime podcasts on, when you're on the land, though? <laughs> I mean, because it feels like you're either going to get ideas or it's going to help the paranoia. You know, I think I would just to see, you know, where people where people got caught. I'd be like, ooh, what they do wrong? Ooh, yeah, that's a Research good plan. Purposes, yeah, mm. and also, <laughs> Research, you know, yeah. maybe make sure they're not currently looking for you. Like, are are they are they tracking me right now on this podcast that I listen to? And then that's you can true. hide. You can change your wig. And hide. Spotted oh. with pink wig and sunglasses. Oh no, quickly change. Oh no, and then we trade. <laughs> I have a red one, one waiting to go. <laughs> I put on so many wigs this morning. I had a gray one on, I had a red one on. But I felt like I needed to do blue. You know, just signal throwback. Yeah. I really appreciate the blue hair, and it is such a tragedy that we're, we're like packing up for a move. But my daughter's last birthday, I did hair salon themes, so I got a bunch of wigs. So <laughs> I have like a million wigs, you know, most of them with like clips <laughs> styled very badly, but I, was, yes. I couldn't find them anywhere. And I have like a like a Versailles French court wig also oh, packed away. That would and have I have been a, so a, great. A little boy bowl cut wig, also packed away, that looks terrible <laughs> on me. That would have been perfect. <laughs> that would have been so good. So, what are well, you doing? Are you are you wearing a mask and sun? Or I mean, are you wearing are you wearing your dog mask or are you wearing a wig and sunglasses? What do you choose? Uh, I think I would go for a wig and sunglasses just because that can be construed as like party culture if you're out at night or just eccentricity whereas if you're wearing a full face mask people are going to be like "Ooh, are they trying to get away with over there <laughs> like you might have an excuse to go somewhere in a wig and sunglasses you do not have an excuse to go somewhere in a full face mask at least it's yeah. close to halloween though that's true so it kind of kind of pull it off for like a week and then for a while like you know, during lockdowns and stuff, people were running around in, like, legit gas masks. But the less said about that time, the better. Oh, now I appreciate the people in the, um, the, 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 uh, the plague doctors? The plague doctor masks. <laughs> and I think that's still a look that needs to be carried on. Yeah, I, I appreciate the full, the full coverage when I go into the store and see people with like the bandana with like the skull face printed on it. I don't know if you have those around your parts. Yes. It's there very, it is. It's it's um something is killing the children official merch because I freaking love that Ooh. series. So I am gonna eventually do a cosplay with this sometime because Erica Slaughter is my idol. But yeah. You need a you need a full school mask. That's fantastic. That's awesome. See, at least that's one good thing that's to... come out of the pandemic. You can just, like, disguise yourself with that kind of mask. Sadly. Sadly, yes. A lot more, uh, a lot more ways to uh, cover your face innocuously. So, Claire, what are you doing? 
Wigs and sunglasses. As as hot as wigs can get, and you can go bright color and be an obvious wig, or you can go more natural. And like everybody's saying in the comments as well, makeup can do a lot of different change change your look as well. Yeah, just change your eyebrows. That can completely confuse your face. Yeah, if I don't draw any on at all, I'm I look like Jared Leto. So. <laughs> are you Jared Leto? I am. God, I <gasps> wish. No, I don't. He's kind of weird. He's weirder, I think, than I am. So maybe I don't want to be Jared Leto, but I do look exactly like Jared Leto that time he shaved off his eyebrows, and it's uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe I'm gonna built in disguise. It's true. I do. And I can like draw him on angrier if I want to, and people are like, "Oh, Amanda, why are you so mad?" <laughs> questioning arch. On today. yeah that's just how i drew my eyebrows on today um obviously i'm gonna pick wig and sunglasses too because i have at least 75 wigs upstairs to choose from that is not an exaggeration so that's awesome <laughs> okay. i'm surprised you're still in the same one you you started the episode in to be you perfectly know, honest <laughs> really the reason why is because I forgot to bring my wig case down here and it's up two flights of stairs and I don't oh. want to do that. You are going to be hauling too much downstairs. No, too, no, too I, would, I would fall down the stairs. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to stick with the blue. Plus the blue is for signal. It's important. Well, now I'm, a pre- I like, I'm picturing like a Baroque mansion with like a swirling staircase and then just a room of wigs, just like red velvet walls and like... That is, that is how my house is laid out. <laughs> I kind of want like you know, you've seen Return to Oz, yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. one of the, mm-hmm. the freakiest movies ever. Like Scott, it I watched as a kid. It scarred me. Yeah. Um, and you know how she's got the headroom, but it's all got the different hairs and stuff. So that's why I always imagine is in Amanda's house, and I know that's not accurate. But it's what I believe. <laughs> so I'm going on the premise that if I believe it enough, it will manifest. <laughs> That's exactly what I was picturing. True story. I was dragged out of Return to Oz as a child, kicking and screaming because of that scene. It really got to me. So Love good. it now. The wheelers so are some of the scariest <laughs> things in the world. Like, I saw Child's Play when I was a kid, and all these other horror movies did not do anything for me. Freaking Return to Oz scared yeah. the shit out of me. That and the witches. Angelica Houston and the wheelers. No, no. <laughs> I just loved all like... of these things as a child, which is probably why I'm demented today. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it might have been the first movie I saw in theaters was Return to Oz. I don't think my parents knew what they were getting into. <laughs> like, Return to Oz! Great! It would be so movie. wholesome. It's all ruby slippers and defeating evil. I'm sorry, no. but like, they got no. it right in the first movie as well. Who the hell steals a dead woman's shoes? That's what happened in the first one. You stole a dead woman's shoes and pisses off our sister. Are you gonna have somebody coming after you it's not a wholesome thing no like people it. dancing in the streets about her being dead that was cold yeah, yeah and then like you just you just make it known to everyone you're like yeah i killed this bitch and now i'm wearing her shoes and then they all clap for you so <laughs> of course you're gonna do it 
honestly. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I, I would I steal somebody's shoes. I, I side with the Witch of the West. And putting Wicked on there, that's just labelling. You know, she's she's got every right to be pissed. <laughs> oh my god. Anywho. <laughs> Next question? Should we move on? <laughs> Probably the best. Okay. Would you rather steal a car from someone at a drive-thru or from an Uber driver? I have never Ubered. Shade dipping. <laughs> I wouldn't know how to Uber. How does You've never Uber? Ubered? No. Yeah, I've got a car. Why would I bother? True, true. It's like a club night thing for me back when I used to do things that were like club nights, <laughs> which I don't anymore. I haven't Ubered in a while. I think the last time I Ubered was like from the airport to wherever I was at the time. I don't just randomly Uber because I have a car. I think Uber has a lot of licensing issues in the UK. I think they were banned from London for a while. It has to be hackney cabs in London. You can't Uber. I might be wrong about that. I'm not 100% sure. You may or may not have just made up a lie on Fictional Hangover. I, I remember something about that being in the news because the hackney taxi drivers were all like, you know, stop it, Uber. You're not... We- London taxi drivers, they know their shit. They know every single street in that city, like the back of their hands. But the Uber drivers don't. And there's a level of respect for the job. And the hackney drivers are a completely different kettle of fish than Ubers. So I think they they got banned from London at least. I've I've, I've Ubered for like food before, but I've never Ubered for a car. I just get a taxi. I've got the taxi app. Why would I bother? And at least I know I'm getting a, a licensed taxi. You could oh. be getting a stranger who immediately calls 911 when you get in the car. That would be someone, me. I've had some uncomfortable Uber rides where, like, that one guy just, like, pulled off and, like, got gas for a while. Or, like, they'll be like, I just have to run to my friend's house. And you're just, like, idling in front of a friend's house. Like, uh, okay. Uh, sometimes it's just, like, a really cheerful person who's, like, working a creative gig and just, like, you know, because when I was taking a lot of Ubers, it was when I lived in L.A. And, like, L.A. was extremely Uber-friendly. They had, like, a women-only Uber if you just wanted lady drivers. They had a helicopter Uber if you wanted to arrive oh in style. Oh, my God. Seriously. It was just embraced. Yeah, it was, like, just deeply embraced. It was, like, great, awesome. We can all, like, get drunk and get driven places. Yay, Uber. Because, like, the taxi system in L.A. just did not exist. Like, it was not... It was it was like an incredibly overpriced. You got it only at the airport, and it didn't didn't really. It wasn't um, accessible, I guess. I want a helicopter Uber. My one and only <laughs> Uber needs to be a helicopter in LA now. That's just freaking. That is so LA. That is so. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I'll tell. Okay, there's another. There's a reason because all like all the buildings downtown have helipads, whether they need them or not. Because there was like a building code thing in LA where like mm-hmm. um, you didn't need a certain amount of parking or you didn't need like a certain kind of retrofitting if you had a helipad. So like all of these construction companies would just throw on a helipad to get around this like regulation loop. So you can helicopter from like building to building in LA <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> Uh, that's yeah. amazing i'm going to message my cousin who lives in la and ask if she can uber a helicopter please and send me evidence she probably won't pricey. but still oh it's disappointing 
That's amazing. <laughs> uh, so what are we doing? What's the answer to this question? Stealing a car. Stealing a car, yeah, no matter as long, what. As, as long as the keys are in the car. Because I can't, you, hot wiring is not a modern car thing. Can't do that in modern cars. Yep, straight up from the drive-through. Yeah, I mean, at the drive-through, you get the drive-through food as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's what I'm gonna do. Do, do you and think also... if they threatened to give the Uber driver like one star if they didn't take them where they wanted to go, you'd be like, I, "That's fine, that's fine. I'll get you from here." <laughs> Maybe. But, like, the guy they stole the car from at the drive-thru was, like, high out of his mind. So he probably just, like, kind of enjoyed it and was like, hey, no, okay, whatever. That's fine. I like to think he eventually got his car back. He probably did. They didn't spectacularly (laughs) crash his off the cliff. So it's fine. It's cool, man. It's cool. Or those kids at the trailer park. She stole their car, too. I forgot about that. Should have added that into the question as well. Yeah, there's a lot of Grand Theft Auto in this series. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Signal is low-key like a really good driver. She doesn't explicitly say it herself because she's not into giving herself compliments. But if you if you follow the series, like she she drives pretty well. Well, yeah. She, she, not so much. she taught Eric how to drive stick. <laughs> On the fly. On the fly. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> it blows my mind that it's not common to drive with gears in America. Like, it's all auto. Like, that's just freaking lazy. Sorry. <laughs> you have to, you have to look for... If you want to drive automatic, and I do have two people I do know who are only licensed for automatic cars... Um, so they can never drive stick. They have to have automatic. You have to search out specific driving instructors who who will have an automatic car. It's so rare in this country. That's and wild. it's just like common over there. Like what? Change the gears. It's not freaking hard. <laughs> I've never driven a manual car before. My yeah. sister was supposed to teach me. And every time I tried to get her to teach me as a teenager, she was like, oh, no, excuse, excuse. All oh, the tires are bad. Oh, I'm whatever. So I just never Sounds learned. like bullshit to me. <laughs> the, the easy rule is the higher the speed, the higher the, 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 the gear needs to be. Well, obviously. I know That's how it, it works in theory. It's not difficult. But I've never done it. I just, it makes it crazy. I just think all driving in the UK is like such on another level. Like I, the one time I tried to drive around there, the roundabouts were like, I, I just like the the big highway exchange roundabouts. I just like pulled over. I was like, I'm taking the train. I'm taking the train for the rest of this trip. I can't do this. I'm going to kill myself and others. It's time to get on a train. <laughs> That's not an exaggeration. As long as you follow the road markings, you're fine. Like my aunt who's American who when she first she was an air stewardess and when she came over in the 80s um my mum told her because she she freaked out about roundabouts and she said to her the rule is if they get into one lane and then when the other person pulls out pull out the same time because they'll take the brunt of the car and you'll be fine and that's the rule she always worked (laughs) (laughs) but she was really bad at reading road signs as well and she thought she was getting she was she she came through heathrow because uh, she worked for American Airlines at the time, and she was coming up to visit the family, and we're in the northeast, and she thought 
she was close to us because there's a place called Scotch Corner, which is not far from where you are. It's like a landmark point. But what didn't say Scotch Corner, it said Scotland. So she'd actually driven two hours further and then another two hours on top and was pretty much at the top of like the entirety of Great Britain before she realised where she was. No! <laughs> she, took flights from that. She, took, she took flights from that point <laughs> on afterwards. <laughs> Okay, what's our next question? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Would you rather get Signal's makeover or nobody's makeover? Nobody I is don't... so dreamy. I like nobody. I like nobody better than Signal. It's not uncommon knowledge. But <laughs> Signal, Signal's makeover was a full-on glow-up. Yes. And nobody is already glowing. Yes. That's true. Ugh. But I love I'm that gonna she's go signals. A tuxedo. I know. Can I go can I get signals makeover but nobody's outfit? Sure. Yeah. There. Yeah. I'll get fine. signals top half, the head half. Head half? Head bit. And then nobody's rest of body. I just like everything, nobody. I'm getting her pixie cut. I'm getting her tuxedo. I just want to be her best friend. Fair, or fair. be her. I, question mark. I mean, she's she's a she's a uh, interesting interesting figure. She's really uh, she's really funny to write for. Like her, her so grizzled, such a grizzled young woman. <laughs> um, I would probably go with with signals uh make her just to make it a horse race although i did try to give myself bangs around the time i wrote this book and it flopped so hard <laughs> really <laughs> don't I'm give yourself bangs it was did a dark time in my life <laughs> <laughs> did happens. you try and cut them in yourself as well yeah i've been doing all of my haircuts since like 2020 like because i just like i watched a bunch of youtuber youtubes on it and i was like i can handle this and i got so good at giving like normal haircuts good but you know i got so used to giving myself normal haircuts that i was like okay like i'll step it up to bangs <laughs> no no you always need a professional for bangs never 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 get bangs but if you're so foolish as to get bangs if you're me call on a professional Accurate. My new life rules. <laughs> Those are good life rules. <laughs> I love those all. You know the web comics that you see, and it's like, oh, somebody's going through with trauma, and then the last panel says, "I'm going to give myself bangs." No, no. I like watching the videos where they pull the hair forward and they pull it really, really, really tight, and then they cut, and it just goes boing, and it's just yeah. <laughs> Come it's like, on. Oh, you fool! You fool! <laughs> made a mistake okay next question would you rather go to a haunted house or a concert this is the silliest question for me ever of course it's gonna be a haunted house obviously all haunted house all the time with vampires obviously, preferably. obviously. what about you yeah Lily? i would also say a haunted house yeah. haunted house i love a haunted house and this one was fantastic I just, I just want to be fake signal holding a head, <laughs> sobbing <laughs> in the floor. That's all I want. I you could do, do that for the Halloween thing this year again. 
if you get your own room you can do decapitation room yeah yeah that would be great i would do that if i do the haunted house again that is what i'm gonna do offer some context you acted in a haunted house i did i did it was really fun we were just talking about that yesterday jacob and i but it wasn't like set up really well and the local theater house was doing it and they have a lot of young actors a lot of teen actors and those guys were idiots they just (laughs) ran around like screaming at people not doing anything and the where we were placed we were the first night we were at like in the entryway and there was this teen girl who was sitting on the floor like she was just wearing like a dirty t-shirt and had a foot and she wasn't scary at all. She was just like, hey, do you want to give me a high five? And would hold up the foot. And then she would follow people and just like join in on their conversations as they were walking through the haunted house. And it was the stupidest thing. It it really upset me. But then the next night we were in a different room because I was like, I'm not sitting out there again with that idiot. So then the <laughs> next room we were... Um, we were dressed up as uh, like a an old monk who had summoned a demon, and that was really fun. So that, that was a good time. Yeah. So the next time, I'm going to claim my own room, and I'm just going to cradle a severed head and cry about it. I think it sounds perfect. Whilst being covered in blood, you have to have yeah, the glory. Yeah, of course. Of course. Big upgrade from a foot. Big upgrade yeah. from a foot to cradle a severed head. It was so weird. You wanna high five? <laughs> it was, it wasn't weird. It wasn't weird so much as it was sad. Like, <laughs> this is what you come with? I don't get it. Yeah, it was not. It was, it. Oops, that, that was not a, the, the first night was not good. I keep hitting this microphone because I can't see where I am. I have no depth perception. Oh no. <laughs> sunglasses it's i'm fun. gonna give myself a little bit of a break and just have a go. oh look light yay <laughs> yay um did we all we all picked haunted house right yeah Ooh. concerts are full of people as well <sighs> yeah and they're all sweaty and they're like bumping into you and stuff although really i guess it depends on who who is putting on the concert like if i got to go to another like weird owl show then yeah i'm there i will choose the concert but probably not many other people <laughs> it has to be worth it I'm weird Owl was a good show okay? i i believe you i'm not judging you you <laughs> yes, may think you i am but you can't see my face i'm like yeah yeah you enjoyed the weird owl show that's <laughs> fine that's so right. And great. I'm trying to think if there's anybody I would care that much about to see in concert. And probably not. But you know, <laughs> you know what I'm like with music. Um, you don't know music. You don't understand it. No, I am definitely a one song repeater as well. We'll get to that. Well, the, um, the show that they go to is based on this venue in LA called The Smell. Um, it was like a very tiny little warehouse downtown LA and like it was all ages for a long time but like 
it was just very it's still it's still it I, I think it's got through COVID okay but like it um just very scrappy on the inside but they would get these like really great acts like they had like um Phil Elbrum came in um and like I would get yeah you know, they would just, they just have like the best shows but like it was very like standing room only like scrappy vibe and like it was it's essentially the place they go where it's like just kind of kind of um bare bones but like everyone there is so happy to be there <laughs> that it just oh, creates awesome. a good vibe that's it's awesome. not a taylor swift concert we can say that much <laughs> which is the only concert i think that's ever going on in the world at the moment that's all i'm hearing about yeah i, I missed that train unfortunately I feel disconnected from Taylor Swift. Like it's like football for me, where it's like everyone gets it, and I wish I got it, but like I just miss. Yeah. I miss that train. I just yeah. can't. I just can't do it. I'm happy for those people. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, yeah, it's, it's great. Like I don't think I've even heard like an entire Taylor Swift song beyond the the one where it's like I wear short shorts. You like that's the only one I know. <laughs> And I just feel like I've missed some kind of cultural moment. I don't know. I feel like I stepped out of the room and I came back and everyone has like an inside joke. I don't share. Yeah, I'm with I, 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 Same. And the, you know One Direction, Harry Styles? Like, mm-hmm. I could not name a single Harry Styles song. And I'm like, hang on, he's won awards for being solo? I can't even name the One Direction songs. I, I remember driving in the car and bearing in mind that they're a huge UK band as well. And I remember driving the car and listening to the radio on a rare occasion, and, went, and that's One Direction. Oh, <laughs> I could not tell you what that song was. No, no way. Clueless. Nope. No idea. Last question: Would you rather learn about your boyfriend's murderous ways by reading a journal, or by having an actual conversation with him? <laughs> and <laughs> Also, separately, his sibling. Look, I got words about Sky. Okay. Are they four letter words? Yeah, probably. <laughs> He's a jackass. With three S's, so it's four letters. Yes. Yeah. He's <laughs> fuck bags. Yeah. Because you have to add the S at the end, so it's four letters. Yeah, man, Sky is the worst. <laughs> I think I'm going to read a journal. I feel like I understand better when I read. So I'm going to read a journal, even though it's all from his point of view. It's fine. I'm actually very surprised you said that, because considering how on the podcast we're always going, please communicate, have an actual conversation. (sighs) That's true. That is true. But also, if I got to have a conversation, I could just, like, stare dreamily at Eric. (laughs) And that would be okay. And then I could learn <laughs> some like makeup tips from Sky. You know, like, ooh, how can I how can I recreate that Burns car? <laughs> All right, I'm doing it. Maybe I should talk to them. Get them on Zoom, get it recorded. <laughs> that would be good. We do like doing Zoom interviews with people. Hey. Patreon content. <laughs> Pointed look at Lily Sparks. <laughs> it's really sad we have to remove the sunglasses so we actually can see those other people here. <laughs> I know. I like just like getting my ring light 
perfectly in the eyeball spot. It, oh it yeah. <laughs> That's what that is. It looks like cartoon like pie eyes from Felix the Cat. It's so great. They are just slightly off center as well, so they're not quite even. <laughs> it so makes it's kind it of like better. Yeah, it makes it really tight. I have to look up to the Here cross eyed. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. But what's the answer to this question? Um, let's think journal is one perspective conversation means you can ask questions however you have to talk to the douchebag sibling have you ever been in a conversation with a guy where like he seemed like chill and then he started revealing things to you that he thought were like charming and you got more and more scared until you were looking for an excuse to leave the room yes (laughs) that's that's happened to me is that that, that's definitely that's definitely sky is like he's talking to you and then like everything that's coming out of his mouth you're like oh he like kills people <laughs> like he thinks he's being charming right now but there are bodies in the desert and then all of a sudden you're like i left my phone in the other room and i think i hear it ringing whoa i gotta go that's sky so like i would definitely read his diary i would talk to eric and i would uh i read sky's diary but i don't <sighs> think sky is cool enough to keep one probably not at least if you read the journal, you can make up the questions so you can get ready for the conversation to have with Eric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly want to talk to this guy. I've had those awkward conversations at the bus stop and it ended in a marriage proposal. <laughs> I swear to God, honestly, I was like 18, 19 at the time. We just moved and this weirdo kept talking to me at the bus stop and it was like the second time, but he was telling me about his ex and then how great he is and then it ended with will you marry me and I went ah the bus had just pulled a bus had just pulled up I got onto the bus didn't know what bus it was because he wasn't getting on it and then went a few stops and then got off again and I was late for my university class but you know you're alive you're still alive alive to tell the tale yeah he was an absolute weirdo yeah I'm gonna do the journal Mm -hmm. I'm going to save God myself. No, okay, wait, hold on. Your terrible story reminds me of a terrible story that I have at the library that also involves a journal and the creepy guy. I got both of them from a guy in the library. And I thought that he was, like, writing a story or something. And he was like, hey, will you read this? And so I did. And it was a love letter to me wherein he says that in order to stop having sexual thoughts that he puts a rubber band around his left testicle and i was like all right that's the (laughs) end of this i have to go do work now and then i ran and hid in the back for like three hours then that guy started leaving me all of his earthly possessions after that it was bonkers as shit wow yeah it was good stuff (laughs) We eventually had to have him trespassed from the library, and I went to the prosecuting attorney's office, but they didn't do anything. Wow. It was great. It was a good time. It was a good time. <laughs> so sorry that happened, but oh. if you ever run into him again, you can always snap that rubber band. That's the- true. Oh, I could. I could. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he ended up, like, I seriously got all of his earthly possessions and he would just put them in the book drop oh. after he was not allowed to come in the building anymore and i had you know those boxes that reams of paper come in mm-hmm, i had mm-hmm. two of those filled with notebooks and they were wow. fucked up that's, that's so story. intriguing 
Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would definitely read them. I'm sorry. I'm just such a creep. I would find that so intriguing. Oh, I'm sure it would be highly disturbing. I oh, they were. research. Nightmares. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy oh, stuff. Wow. Fine, you win. <laughs> I can laugh about it now, though. <laughs> but nice. then, terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, that's... We just digest drama in real life right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, that guy was probably a class A psychopath on the Wiley stand. <laughs> if I had to guess, if I had to peg one person as a class A, it was that guy. <laughs> and look, now we're back around talking about the book again. Look at that. that beautiful, beautiful. Oh. Not a wonky circle at all. <sighs> I love Lily Sparks so much. She's adorable. She really is. And I loved that she started out with Dog Mask on. Dog Mask was amazing. And I'm glad her bangs are no longer suffering. Yes. Same. So, And if you want to if... find all about that, you have to listen to the bonus. Listen to the bonus episode. And if you're lucky enough to have joined our Patreon tiers, you'll get to see that video as well. Oh, bonus. Only bonus gets to see the actual full bonus interview. That's why it's called bonus. That's why it's called bonus. That's why it is, in fact, called that. It's you like can listen to logic. it, though. Everyone can listen to it. Oh, yeah. But it's like this weird logic. I know. It's like we did it on purpose or something. I don't know. Anyway, favorite final thought quote? <laughs> segway! Segway, segway, segway! Oh, okay, I'm going to give you three. Trois. Three, okay, yeah. Trois. And we can't kill people willy-nilly up and down the California coast either, okay? Did you just say <laughs> kill people willy-nilly? She did because she's a class S softie. Also, I do like the phrase willy-nilly. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Can you be embarrassed when you're dead? If anyone could, it would be me. <laughs> and Class because S, softy. Exactly. And because this is 100% true, weedos can be heroes. Oh, that's so that true. That needs to be on a t-shirt. It really does. We need to ask Lily if it's okay if we make that t-shirt. Yes. We'll give what her proceeds. Um, let's see. I like that you went with lots of class S softy things. And then I, of course, went the exact opposite. The exact opposite. Um, so I have, let's see. Well, no, that's not true. A couple of them are the exact opposite. <laughs> Stop trying to just, just justify your psychopathic <sighs> tendencies based on quotes. We all know it's there. <laughs> you and I both know I don't have feelings. <laughs> I said get the quotes from the book again, Amanda. You're not doing the homework. <laughs> this happens every time. <laughs> I'm not not evil. Oh! Seriously, do your homework, Amanda. Okay, okay. Okay, how about this one? How about this one? <laughs> but I can put on some eyeliner to say goodbye. That's just basic self-respect. Okay, the only reason I know that's coming from the book is because it wouldn't be eyeliner, it would be eyebrows with you. That's true. That's true. But I do love too much eyeliner. I love eyeliner. You know, you've got to have the fleek. Yeah, of course. 
Of course you do. Even when you're wearing sunglasses for the entire episode and no one can see your eyes. No. (laughs) Okay, so now I've got one that's a little mushy. But I think it just proves that Eric is a class Q cutie, not a class A psychopath. I'll be your knife and you be my light. Oh, oh, that one made me feel half an emotion. Wow, we're on like two full emotions so far this year. I know, it's huge. And then I think we would be remiss if we did not include fear no deer. (laughs) That's a great t-shirt. They did a good job. Those fanboys making that t-shirt. You too can get their fanboy t-shirts at. (laughs) I wish. I would wear that t-shirt. Okay. If you liked this, try this. What are you going to suggest? I'm going to suggest something that I saw in the bookshop about two months ago. Ish. Can't remember. And it's got absolutely nothing to do with teen killers. It may have smoochie in. I don't know. But I've seen a lot of positive reviews about it. And it's been purely because of road trip. And it's The Cats We Meet Along the Way by Nadia Mikhail. It looks very sweet. 17-year-old Aisha hasn't seen her sister June for two years. And now that a calamity is about to end the world in nine months' time, she and her mother decide that it's time to track her down and mend the hurts of the past. Along with Aisha's boyfriend, Walter, and his parents, the Fleabag and Stray Cat. Oh, yeah, the, the cat's called Fleabag. And I thought that was appropriate for you. The group take a road trip through Malaysia in a widely decorated camper van to put the past to rest, to come to terms with the present and to hope for the new future. It looks really nice and completely nothing like Teen Killers in Love. Is it it a Q for Cutie? It's a Q for Cutie. It's a class Q for Cutie. But, you know something's going to happen and there's a calamity that's going to end the world in nine months time so that's really interesting i haven't read it but i've heard it's good and every time i've seen it at the bookshop it's always had a recommended banner next to it oh that's fun what have you got well i fell down a barnes and noble rabbit hole when i was looking for my if you liked this try this and i just i'm impressed you've come back out (laughs) I know. I just kept reading summaries. I just kept going through. I don't even know how many I read, but this is the one that I picked. It's called None Shall Sleep by Ellie Marnie. In 1982, two teenagers, serial killer survivor Emma Lewis and U.S. Marshall candidate Travis Bell, are recruited by the FBI to interview convicted juvenile killers and provide insight and advice on cold cases. Sounds amazing so far. From the start, Emma and Travis develop a quick friendship, gaining information from juvenile murderers that even the FBI can't crack. But when the team is called in to give advice on an active case, a serial killer who exclusively hunts teenagers, things begin to unravel. Working against the clock, they must turn to one of the country's most notorious incarcerated murderers for help. Teenage sociopath Simon Gutmanson. Despite Travis's objections, Emma becomes the conduit between Simon and the FBI team. 
But while Simon seems to be giving them the information they need to save lives, he's an expert manipulator playing a very long game, and he has his sights set on Emma. Tenuous links all over the place. Also not tenuous at all. I was going to say, <laughs> that sounds really fun. Yeah. Do we have an indie or new spotlight? We do. We do have an indie spotlight. This one's called The Deadly Deal by Jay Lee. David Centrelli is a junior business development executive at a pharmaceutical company. Tenuous link in Richmond with no military training or criminal record whatsoever. But an innocent knock on the door one typical Monday morning changes his life forever. Thrust into a world of outrageous claims and danger he's only seen in the movies, he's told that his best friend's death two weeks earlier was no accident and that his buddy has a message for him from the grave. As skeptical as he is, clues far too specific to be coincidental keep coming, and soon his own home is engulfed in flames. When the perpetrator contacts him, he learns that not only are the accusations legitimate, but that people trained to eliminate problems have labeled him one. Tenuous link. Blackmailed by decisions he made years ago, informed that his brother has been kidnapped and threatened with a future not even his worst nightmare could imagine, the temptation to give up what he knows and disappear into affluent anonymity grows stronger by the second, until he learns that millions of lives depend on him trying to do the right thing. But can this ordinary businessman really escape death from experts trained to administer it, tenuous link, and prevent a colossal calamity already set in motion by the highest levels of government that one sounds so exciting Ooh, that sounds really good yeah so exciting yeah. so much like political intrigue mm-hmm. and probably some murder what's a book without a murder I know <laughs> so that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover I'm Amanda or am I? Is that and I'm Claire. I think I am. Or am I? <laughs> Join us next time as we discuss Nine Liars by Maureen Johnson. But don't forget about our live episode on Friday, July 21st at 5 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. GMT. It's going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to it. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. Or is it? Yeah, or is it? Is. It is. It is. It definitely is. Definitely is. Definitely is. Yeah. Definitely is. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.